So two things happened this week that just reaffirmed that I really like who I'm becoming. I'm very proud of who I am as a man, who I am as a black man, and how I handle certain things. There's a time at comedy shows I would see a white comic do something and I wouldn't say anything when I was on stage later. And I would never like go up to a comic over something that they said on stage that I didn't like because that just, I, I just don't believe in that. But I believe in while you had the stage, say what the fuck you got to say while you got that stage time. You got to remember, I came up doing stand up in San Francisco hearing like some really, really fucked up shit. So I'm on stage on Tuesday. It's like a book show, but it's like a bunch of people. Where I don't know who the fuck these people are. It's a bunch of comics that have like 400 followers and follow 7,000 people on IG. So we kind of know what that means. Not not to be like a follower snob, but just that it means something in our world. <coughs> so... This white comic from Austin gets on stage, and he's funny. He's like, he's like cool. He's visiting from Austin, so like uh, you know he's gonna pull out all like the big stops. So I'm going up after him. The guy actually wanted me to close out the show, and I was just like, I don't feel like working that hard. <laughs> but but hey, my reputation as a closer is already out here, and I like good good shit, Lyle. But so this white dude from Austin, he's up on stage, and he's like, he's he's funny. And then there's this black lady with like a white wig on looking like Storm from X-Men. And she's like supportive heckling. She's like making everything about her. And then it turns out she's like from Boston. And the white dude from Texas is like, yeah, you guys are like really racist. Oh, you guys like, oh, I'm going to go commit a hate crime later. And it's like, you're, and this is like a drunk black lady that's like drunk off of like shitty, uh, dive bar white wine you know she's she's in a certain space and then later come to find out like she's like she's like a professional singer she's like sang back up on some like grammy nominated shit and then she did the karaoke and she obviously did like really well like that she was basically that's her fucking open mic you know if you will and it's like and it makes sense that she felt like she could make a comedy show about her because like she does fucking bigger shit than what we was doing that night but at the same time, it's like you're still fucking here. But that's not the point. The point is, <clears throat> the white dude was in the back and forth with the drunk black lady from Massachusetts. And he kept making these jokes about, <clears throat> you know, how fucking racist uh, Massachusetts, Boston is. But it's like, dude, you're from fucking Texas. And then he goes on uh, and he does this joke. like, And he's like, hey, uh, do you think Michael Vick could own a dog again? Or is that like a sex offender? Like, no, you just could not be anywhere within 50 feet of a school. You cannot be around kids. And then he, he goes on his joke to say, Michael Vick getting a dog is like, you know, getting a black best friend. Like, hey, see, uh, I'm not racist. I get a black friend. So I get up on stage and, and it really bothered me to hear that. But I was like, well, Lyle, what the fuck are you going to do about it? And I go on stage and I said, it's uh, this has been very interesting uh, as a black dude in the back. I heard a white dude from Texas was like telling a black woman, like, "Yeah, you guys are racist. You gonna come in to hate?" It's like they had slavery where you fu you from, nigga. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And then 
And then he compared uh, having a black friend to having a dog. Like, this has been, this sounds like uh, somebody from a white liberal bubble. I know. I'm from the Bay Area. I, I, I know white bullshit. I know white liberal pat on the back, full of shit bullshit when I fucking hear it. And, of course, like, the crowd is just laughing their ass off. Because I'm that nigga. <laughs> no, I hate that. Then I talk uh, a dude, um, this is black dude there that looks like Vince Staples, but he's got a nose ring. And he's like, bro, when you was talking about dating a Jewish girl up there, I fuck with that. Because I dated a Jewish girl, too, and it ended really bad. So I fuck with what you're saying up there. And I said, oh, pre- I appreciate that, my nigga. Bro, you like Vince Staples if he was from the suburbs. And he starts laughing. He said, nigga, that's hilarious because I am from the suburbs and I love Vince Staples. <laughs> oh, we was cooning. Man, we didn't. Then I was doing shots with twenty-four-year-olds. It was fucking great. But anyways, oh, and then it turned out the dude from Austin is like his boy or whatever, and he, and he, that nigga did not want hit the other dude from Austin comes up and he's like, hey, it was a real funny set. I'm like, oh yeah, thank you, appreciate that. And the other dude comes up and he's like, oh hey hey yeah, sorry I didn't say something earlier. It's like yeah, I bet nigga like. Just fucking roasted the shit out of you. I was just gonna say, and I didn't mention it because like it wasn't worth mentioning it. And the black dude's like, "That's my boy. He's cool. He's cool." He, like he had, and the black dude wasn't even a comic. But I'm very proud of that because, <clears throat> and I feel like it's important in life to like be proud of yourself for the way you handle things. And it's like, look, it's moments in life where you're gonna be weak. It's moments in life where you're not gonna <clears throat> have stood up and said what you wish you said. But when you get to a point, a place where you can, it feels good. <clears throat> Another thing, so me and my homie Rishi, we was uh, going to, and Rishi is uh, my Indian homie, and and like a, it's like a lot of Indian millennial dudes that are like yuppies, like they they work in tech or finance or whatever, and they're like Europhiles. They're like really into like black culture, and they're really in to like European, often Italian, and maybe a little French, but they're really into those cultures. And I find it's like, it's really fucking, and I get, I think like they're into the Euro culture. I can't, like, I'm not going to speak for like millennial Indian dudes, but I think it's because it's like the, I mean, black culture and music is obvious because it's like, it's part of American culture at this point. Well, it is, it's been American culture, but it's more widely, it's more widely integrated and accepted by the others um but then the european culture you know because of like you know fine dining wine and and uh it's it's food forward um but so me and homie rishi like we we both got bottles i had a bottle of (coughs) zinfandale for my wine club campavita then he got a bottle uh, he's like all right what should i get and i'm like all right get a friend he like listen me the options i'll tell him what what type of wine to get and it was fucking delicious we fucking loved it uh, I, I'm that friend. Like, if you're meeting with me, it's like, because look, a lot of friends would like try to surprise me with wine, and I'll be like, "What the fuck is this boggle ass shit?" What's funny is he was like, "Hey, should I bring a bottle too?" Like, I may not have time. I can get a bottle from home, and I text him like, "Nah, man, save, save your wine bottle. Don't worry about it." And he said, "LOL, trans quote, nah, don't be bringing that cheap ass fucking wine from your house." <laughs> And that is exactly what the fuck I was saying. But I didn't, I'm like, bro, I, we, no, I do not want your Trader Joe's wine when we going out to a dinner. We gonna pay this corkage fee. It's 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 gonna be on. So we go out, 
and it's uh go out to break bread and uh we're trying to pick a spot because you know obviously it's got to be italian because we want something that's going like pair with the wine that we got obviously we could have got gone in another direction but it was just like all right this is easy and italian spots they often know how to like care for a bottle of wine that you bring in like like if we brought like a bottle of wine to like korean barbecue it's like obviously like it would pair but it's like dude i want like a fucking sapporo you know i don't want you know even though like you uh a zin and a cab would actually work well with some bulgogi and you know some some steak but anyways all that, all that foodie stuff aside we go to the spot uh it's called meet him at a bar very hipster name and we go and I, and i meet him there and we're sitting on the street and and he and i'm on the side near like the heat lamp which is like okay like it's it's whatever but then like the it's like uncomfortable, almost kind of like lawn chairs. I ain't gonna lie, I'm a little too thick for the chair. I got some thick ass thighs. I've been doing my squats and eating. It is what it is. <laughs> so we in there, and I got like my booty all on the edge of the seat. <clears throat> and it's also uncomfortable because it's like we're sitting outside, but then you have these other people like just kind of standing, and you can just feel their hunger and uh, uh, impatience. And it's, it's it's it feels like very like first world apocalyptic type shit. Like oh man, we gotta wait for a table, and then we're just like fucking eating there in front of them. So we're there, and then like our boat. He's like, "You sure you don't want to?" I'm like, "No, I I kind of want to do another thing because I called another spot that's like walking distance from here." And then Rishi's like, "Yeah, but it's in a strip mall." And I mean, I'm from Cerritos. I've I've been trying to escape strip malls. I'm like, "No, I totally get it," but you know. So we have that whole thing. Then the waiter comes, and you know he's—I'm not gonna judge a book by its cover, but he—he he was very much a prototype hipster, like, like you know, like uh, when the Onion uh, does a piece, and it'll be some shit like you know, guy that was into that band and that beer before it came out, <laughs> like or whatever. Like he looked like that—that that fucking stock photo of the hipster that, like you know, the Onion would use. I have not seen an onion link in a long time. I guess the world's just getting so crazy. It's like satire doesn't even work at this point anymore. But so anyways, comes out and he brings us these two wine glasses. And they're not they're not stem wine glasses, which I'm like, all right, this isn't in the right direction. And then he didn't he didn't like he said he didn't go, uh, would you like to taste the bottle first? He didn't like pour like a little splash and let me taste. He just poured us like full real pours. He didn't care for it. He didn't have the table, he didn't have um uh, the rag to care for the wine so so the wine doesn't drip down the bottle. He didn't do any of that shit. You know, he, he just he just like, all right, here you go. Yeah, you brought your wine. And I'm like, what the fuck is this shit? What is this shit? And then Rishi like tries to be really positive. Rishi, Rishi's like really non-confrontational. That's like why we're friends. <laughs> so, but Rishi is just like really not feeling it. He's like, you know, I'm like, dude, I'm going to call it, look, okay, hey, look, I'm the adult here. I didn't say it, but I kind of said it. Look, making, making a call, we're going to finish our wine, and we're going to fucking go. And he's like, well, well, what do we do? What do we say? I'm like, I'll lead. He said, okay, thank God. Thank God, Lyle. Thank God. Because he's like, like, Rishi is like from the suburb, from like an Asian suburb. He's never been in a fight because he's six foot two and has broad shoulders and he's buff. So it's like nobody like tried him. So like a fight just never happened. Let's hope he never gets in a fight because he's like 27, 28. He doesn't need to be doing that at this stage of life. 
<laughs> but so Rishi really, and me, like, I grew up fighting. I grew up having niggas put guns in my face. Like, I'm like, bro, like a fucking hipster waiter and saying, like, we got to go after opening a bottle of wine that we brought is not going to fucking bother me. So anyways, <laughs> but so it, it was like the service. It was no, like, kind of, hey, how you guys doing? We'll be right with you. There's no, and we're on the street. And we and we got these fucking people just looking at us like, when are you leaving? When are you leaving? Like it, it's it's not comfortable. <clears throat> so that happens, and I'm like, all right, let's finish our wine. I'm a, and then I I corked it strong to make it official. Then he comes back and uh, he says, so um. I said, uh, hey, so we got a, a social emergency that uh, we have to go handle. Um, so so we got to go. And he said, OK, well, um, that'll be twenty eight dollars for the corkage fee. And I looked at him and I said, are you really going to charge us when we have to go for one glass of wine that we drank that we brought when we ordered nothing? And I really said, like, you, you really feel good about yourself, my nigga? <laughs> so that's basically what I said. But I didn't say it like that. But I said it. And he said, no, 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 okay, no, yeah, 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 that's fine. Because, look, I would have, if he said, well, well, rules are rules, I would have said, all right, look, here's here's the real, the real. <clears throat> there are certain expectations we have with an Italian eatery. You guys did not handle the wine properly. And that lets me think you're not going to handle other things properly. And this is just not the experience that we want when we are paying for food and we are like twice paying for wine that we already brought. We have a certain expectation for this. If you are going to call the cops because we are not going to pay this, you cannot pay me to break the law, my nigga. But this is one of the times I will gladly fucking fight this. Like, I would have taken it there. And then Rishi, I said that to Rishi. Rishi's like, yeah, and I would have just been like sliding him my card. Like, yeah, Lyle, like, uh... <laughs> And me, I would have been like, put that fucking plastic away. <laughs> and then Reggie's like, dude, that was so awesome to like the way you handled it. That's why he's my friend. I like compliments. But so, <laughs> but anyways, I'm very proud of how I handled that. Because there's a time where I just saw a white comic on stage say something like really fucking whack. And I would have been like, oh, well, but he was also funny. Uh, it's comedy. Uh, it's not a big deal. There's a time where I've been like, uh, okay, I guess, um, is there a way it could maybe be discounted? Is there, um, maybe we should order something? I, like, mine had just kind of, like, slunked out and, and gone out like a bitch, but I didn't. I'm very proud of who I'm becoming, man. Don't let these motherfuckers punk you. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very much for tuning in. Apologies for not being consistent with the schedule. Been really busy. It's the holidays. It's the final quarter. So, you know, you know how we moving out here. You know, we wrapping up and just trying to get things right. Moving into the Michael Jordan year. With all that said, hope you guys end up enjoying this episode. If you really do, please share it on social media. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to it on. Please rate it five stars. And also, if you are in San Francisco, I will be doing a pop-up show at Executive Order Bar and Lounge December 23rd on Friday, 7 p.m. There will be a link for tickets in the episode description. And with all that said, please enjoy the show. Let's get the heavy talk out the way. Rest in peace, DJ Stefan Twitch Boss. Known to many people as the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres show. 
He earned his stripes in the entertainment world, competing on talent competition TV shows like Star Search, and he got a lot of notoriety appearing on So You Think You Can Dance. And then eventually he was a DJ on the Alan DeGeneres show and eventually also served as a producer on the show. And he committed suicide. So I took out a segment where I gave a tribute to Jason David Frank, the original Green Ranger on Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. And I said, we don't need to talk about that and the that being how he passed away, which was also suicide. <clears throat> but now that we've had two prominent figures at least within the, the spectrum of this podcast and the pop culture zeitgeist pass away due to suicide. It's a few things I want to get off. I hate that we, the living, always try to make sense of a death that was man-made, meaning murder or suicide. Not like, you know, an act, not like a car accident, but something, you know, that was intentional. I hate how we do this with suicide because we go online, we, we post the hotlines, we say check in on the strong friend, we share the better help link, and then we're back to doing what the fuck it is that we do when we're online, which is often be horrible fucking people, be people that we would never be in person. Like, you know, that's like when, like, I got a friend who's got a rule where he says, I don't talk shit to somebody online that I would not talk shit to in person. This is a very masculine friend that I have. Not many people uh, would, would go by this rule, but it's a great fucking rule to have. <coughs> but that that's, but the point being is that's what we're back to. And I kind of resent the fucking checking on your strong friends thing because my friends never fucking check in on me. My friends will be like, hey, what's up? How you doing? What you think of this friend? What you think of this thing that happened? But my friends are never like, hey, man, like, is, is he good? I know you've been through this. Like a few friends do, but most of my friends don't. And I'm not saying like I resent them for it. I'm not trying to throw them under the bus. But I'm saying I am somebody that people consider to be the strong friend. And the assumption is Lyle's good. So it's like. I don't even really think people do check in on their strong friends. I think it's just like something that sounds good to say when somebody kills themselves, but people don't actually do that shit. And I resent the way that people will talk about suicide. I resent that people want to try to become mental health mental health experts. And look, I get it. Like people are like, well, they're just trying to help Lyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody's just trying to help. Everybody's just trying to make the world a better place one link at a time. Okay, fine. I get it. But it's like you don't know what somebody was going through. So to try to use a death as like a lesson or some big thing that, that where you get to grandstand on you, you get to be a good person because you shared a link. It's, hey, if anybody, if you're going through something, just call me. And it's like, nigga, why would I call you? Like, I don't fucking have that relation. Like, you, <laughs> I hate to go here, but it's people that will post that shit 
because this a lot of this does take place online, unfortunately, the way that we connect and the way that we express ourselves. It'll be some stuff like that. And it'll be like, yeah, like if I'm you are not going to be my last call, motherfucker. <laughs> you know what I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. You, you're just not. So it's like if, if you've never been there, it's just like shit. It's not even like, can you really talk about something you've been there or not? But it's like, it's like, OK, I had this one barber in Oakland and I lost a lot of respect for him when he said this. Uh, the subject of Anthony Bourdain came out because I think it was right around when he killed himself. And he said that he said he was like, yeah, if you kill yourself, you just selfish. Like that's just that's just wrong. You just weak and selfish. And I lost a lot of respect for him and me. Like I don't, I don't feel suicidal or nothing. But <clears throat> I can empathize with people that feel like fuck it. It's just all over. Fuck it. I can empathize with that. And then just making these like blanket statements of like what people should do or how they should handle things. Shut the fuck up. I just really think a lot more people should shut the fuck up. Uh, and, like, I, I, I also get why people don't shut the fuck up when somebody dies, because a lot of people can't make sense of what it is to live. So I understand that one could not make sense of death. But it's just this constant fucking forced lesson on a death that just drives me crazy. And to be honest, often when it is black men that people are, you know, trying trying to do that with, right? Because I feel like if you didn't really know somebody like that, let them rest in peace because you're going to have plenty of people in your life that are going to pass away and you're going to feel regret and you're going to do all this other stuff and you're going to beat yourself up like because it's it's like homies were that i got where like if they killed themselves i would play like mental detective i i go back i look for signs i do like an autopsy on their social media on every interaction that we've had like i would probably get a little crazy and obsessed about it so if it's somebody i don't know i don't want to put that out into the world i would rather just celebrate their life <clears throat> like if i got shot and all you niggas do is tell my spirit I shouldn't have been in Inglewood because I don't know 50 people that live in Inglewood and I didn't have a gun on me. I'm going to be hot. You're not celebrating my beautiful spirit, you bitch ass nigga. I'm going to be hot over that. Like, I, I waited a minute to talk takeoff. Rest in peace, takeoff. Because after he passed away, we got a bunch of C. That's why you can't be at the dice games. P&B Rock. See, that's why you can't be eating at that Roscoe's. You got to know the right Roscoe's. See, that's why you can't be posting your location. Nipsey Hustle. See, that's why you can get back to the hood, but you can't go back to the hood. Young Dolph. See, that's why you can't just be anywhere. Pop Smoke. See, that's why you can't post where you stand. A 20-year-old fucking dies in the shower. No, excuse me. A 20-year-old fucking gets murdered in the shower. And that's what you feel like putting out into the world. Yeah, you can't be posting that. It's also like, yo, who appointed you niggas as mental health experts? Who appointed you niggas as fucking <coughs> advisors to the streets and how to move? Especially when I see it from people that have never like really left their hometown and haven't done a bunch of traveling. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. Like, we don't, that's what you want to put out into the world when a 
somebody gets murdered, when somebody takes their own life. That's what you want to put out into the world. I, I just hate that this constant let's put a bow on it because certain things can't be explained. If somebody, it, this man, right, he, he was uh, not the pocket watch, but we can assume that he was doing quite well for himself. Handsome guy, athletic, married, had kids from the women posting RIP. I'm sure if he wanted to get some pussy, it would be very, very easy for him. Like, Right? He killed himself in a shitty motel in Encino. And I'm sure he did that because he didn't, you know, he probably didn't want his family to find him, you know. But if there's something in him that has him doing that, I don't think that what we need is and he and he's got all resources and access to all these things. I don't really think that we need a fucking uh, ribbon on how, how these certain things can be handled. I think it is okay to let people die, and you do not always need an answer. It is okay to just celebrate their spirit. It's okay to just post a picture and move on. You don't always need to do that. You don't always need to make it about you or a soapbox that you want to get on so you can feel good. I just hate that shit. And let me say, rest in peace, take off. And most importantly, job well done, take off. Salute, take off. Look, man, I'm just, I'm really glad we got to experience some three brothers in that energy at the same time and the time that we got to experience it. Because there's certain things, there's certain artists where I'm like, <coughs> man, that would have been fun to experience in real time. It's like, Cause you know we like within the culture we like to glorify lyricists and we're always about giving like somebody that may not have had a number one album or somebody not didn't win a Grammy or whatever their flowers because they didn't get to reach certain heights within the music industry. But the thing that I think is really underrated is like like okay like the first time because like Nas has a song first time uh like the first time he heard a certain artist the first time he heard a certain artist uh on album on KD three. And I think about like, <clears throat> like the first time I heard it in the club, it was dope, but I couldn't fully appreciate it because I was like 12 years old when in the club came out. I was like 11 or 12. <clears throat> right. Whereas, um, when I think about like, can you imagine like you're in high school, you're in college, you're falling in love for the first time and Ja Rule is on the radio all the fucking time. That had to be beautiful. It also had to suck when when the breakup happens and all those Ja Rule classics are fucked up for you. That's one thing that's dope. It's like no Ja Rule songs are fucked up for me because I was in like fourth, fifth grade when all that when he was on his run. But Migos, that was like when I was in my prime parting days. You know, so those joints was really, really like a part of, you know, when I was going out, when we was hitting strip clubs. When we was in the club club, when we was at parties, when we was pre-gaming at this place where it's like we know they was going to be playing at like techno house EDM bullshit. bullshit. We know they was going to be playing no shit black people like. And then like we pre-gamed to some some Migos. Not the pussy out like fight night. You know, bumping that T-shirt joint, like walking like I talk it. Like it's so, I mean, so many. I can keep going on. But and I, and I say like, because, you know, it's like. You take you take away 
you take away one of them, then it's not the Migos. It's, it's like just a duo. So it's like we will never have the Migos again with us not having takeoff. But I'm really glad that I got to experience the Migos at a at their height and at the time when it would be most relatable to me. Let me tell you something about Migos, man. It's every parts equals street pop, rock star, trap, and it was all authentic. It was all authentic. It's like it wasn't one part of them where it felt like, oh, well, they kind of more of this. They kind of faking this. It's like, no, they really are rock stars. They really they really are pop stars. They really are rap stars. They really are trap. They really are all those fucking things. They really are Atlanta. So, you know, man. It's a shame we're not going to get them at Essence Jazz Fest when we the old niggas. It's a shame we're not going to get to see them in their 50s and 60s on tour like Rolling Stone. Like the Rolling Stones. But, man, just just like the memories of going out. Like, they part of the soundtrack to my days of debauchery going out. I'm not going to act like I was like the biggest Migos fan because I'm not. Like, I couldn't. I could like I really could not like rap their lyrics until like it actually starts playing. So I'm not gonna act like I was this big Migos fan, but just as a nigga to like going out, good times. So Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock are currently on tour right now. Chris Rock is uh on tour getting ready for his Netflix special. I think he's also gonna be the first comedian to record his Netflix special live in real time. So you guys will, you know, be able to like stream that, I guess, uh, or will be able to. Why am I saying like I'm the one putting out? Yeah, you guys will be able to stream that. <laughs> it's like I'm, it's, it's like nigga, you too. Like you ain't part of the fucking special. Anyways, um, it's it's, it's uh, which is why we haven't heard Chris Rock talk to anybody about the slap because he's like, no, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna fucking profit off it first. Then I'm gonna do my rollout uh, for the special and do all my press, my late night and all that. And in, in uh, all my media, and then you know, yeah, you know that that's that's what I'm going to talk about. What happened? And of course, he's going to have to do like his serious interview too. You know, let's sit down with. I mean, it's probably not going to be Oprah because Oprah doesn't really talk to anybody anymore. I don't know. He'll sit down on a red table with Jaden. <laughs> Anyways, fuck it. That's not the point. The point is, Chris Rock goes up. Uh, they have a show in San Francisco at Chase Arena, where the Warriors play at. Chris Rock goes up, then Dave Chappelle goes up, which makes sense that it would be in that that order because Chris Rock actually has an act, and Chappelle just kind of like wants to talk and and fuck around. And at this show, Dave Chappelle brought out Elon Musk, and Elon Musk came out to five straight minutes of booze. Then Chappelle says some funny stuff. I'm not going to like repeat what he said because you guys can go watch the clip on YouTube. I'm not even going to pull up the clip and play it. You guys can see it for yourselves. You guys are here to hear me, not, you know, hear what you guys can find or probably already saw. So Dave, Dave makes some like funny jokes and, and, and all that uh, about it. And But the overall, the overall point, though, about this is uh, the public's reaction. Uh, so one thing I didn't like is that, uh, 
I saw some non-black comics share this tweet by uh, this dude, David uh, Dennis Jr., who's you know, who's best-selling author. You know, uh, he's you know black academic type. You know, if you if you're in like the the woke liberal uh, bubble, I'm sure you've heard of him. But anyways, he uh, <coughs> he tweeted an image of Sam Jackson and Django Unchained holding uh, what looks like a dead Leo DiCaprio as the house is falling when Django comes back uh, to save a uh, Ben Tilda or like what the Kerry Washington character. And it's that image, and it says Dave Chappelle when the crowds started booing Elon. And I fucking hate when comics that are not black basically call somebody a house nigga. Like, I, I am not with that shit. Especially when it's like the whole... <clears throat> and look, I'm not saying it's racist if you are not black and you think somebody is an Uncle Tom. I'm not saying it's not racist to not believe that, to <clears throat> think that. And I'm not even necessarily going to go as far as to say... <clears throat> It's racist to even identify that in, in um in a way if that just is what it is, but there is something about that I just fucking don't like because it's like okay, you are not black, so this whole the whole construct of capping for white people now capping for like other races is do like so many people even people that aren't white benefit off of the white power structure, right? It's fucking multiculturalism hurts black people in a certain kind of way. And, and let me like, I want to be very careful how I'm saying that because like I just talked about breaking bread with the Indian homie and you guys know I got plenty of Latin home and, and so on and so forth and white and Jewish and Italian homies and so on. So it's like, I'm not, and obviously I've been in a racial relationship. So I'm not saying like, Oh, the race mixing is bad, but it's like when you, when you like go around and you start all this POC, people of color, and all this other stuff, it's like, no, we are talking about fucking black people right now. No, we are talking about niggas right now and what we go through. This is not a we are the world conversation. This is not a, this is not a group gay, queer, POC, indigenous. No, we are like, this is a black, you are, because this is what kills me about liberal motherfuckers is, they will do some all lives matter shit and then say stop saying all lives matter but then they'll do all lives matter shit in the same fucking breath anyways i digress um but yeah yeah i just don't like that shit anyways uh back to fucking you know what i, I gotta tell you what I, I did tweet is i tweeted uh dave Chappelle fucks with elon musk and black star Dave has the most libertarian white guy taste I've ever seen. <laughs> More on that later. But look, here's the thing about Chappelle, right? Chappelle is rich. He's been rich for a very long time. Chappelle is also a hippie. Lives on a farm. Being rich and being a hippie are two things that can contradict themselves and there can be some moments that just look very fucking whack when both those things, <coughs> you know, are uh, are intertwined. Because, look, <coughs> if on one hand you have this attitude of like, hey, man, I accept people. I'm open minded. Da, 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 da. But then at the same time, the people that 
you're going to be closer to are going to be people that are polarizing or that hurt a lot of people or have bad shit happen at uh, where there are casualties and some casualties that may be your fans. That's that's going to be a, a recipe for people looking at you like you contradict yourself and like you're out of touch and all that sort of stuff. All right. So let's start here. Is Dave Chappelle out of touch? Well, I mean, here's the thing. When a comedian, and I'm, I'm speaking as a comedian as well when I say this. We know what the fuck we're doing up there. So if you see Dave Chappelle on stage and he makes a hack joke, he knows it's a hack joke. Like the joke he did on one of his, uh, his uh, uh, specials where he was talking about trans people for two hours. <laughs> it was the one where it's like, that's like me saying, hey, I'm Chinese. And he squints his eyes and all that. He knows that that is an open micer level bit. He is aware of that. He like Dave knows when he's saying Dave knows when he's digging a hole. Dave knows how to get himself out the hole. Dave knows when he's going to bomb. Dave knows when he's a few steps away from bombing. Dave knows when he's fucking brilliant up there and nobody in the world can fuck with him on stage like Dave knows what he is doing he is aware like I I am not as talented as Dave Chappelle and I know all these fucking things when I take the stage as a significantly above average comedian but as somebody that is also not as great as Dave Chappelle <coughs> so my point is when people say these things like oh he's out of touch it's like no he really fucking feels this way you know, like he, I think, because people, the thing that people are like, oh, was he aware that Elon Musk will elicit that reaction? <clears throat> I think, I think it's fun for him to fuck with people, you know? Like, it's fun to get that reaction. Like, I know a lot of comics where if they could bring out somebody that would elicit, especially if, you know, they are loved and they had like a fan base or whatever, if they could do some shit like that. They would probably do it. You know, but I mean, with Dave, it's also like, I, I don't know what people expect from this nigga, really. Other than like to be funny and say some things that'll, you know, piss off the uh, the white lefties. Like, like what, what do you really expect from him? Because it's like, you know, Dave's a guy that is from the suburbs his parents are college educated he grew up around like a lot of white people like you even just like look at dave Chappelle's musical taste it's like most deaf quality common like all this all this fucking community center rap that like niggas don't even listen to and because look <clears throat> i got a theory that you could really tell where a guy is at based on his rap music Like Dave Chappelle, you look at his musical taste, and look, he is fucking Dave Chappelle, okay? Like, okay, maybe in like, you know, 2002 when he's putting Chappelle's show together, like I'm sure like the the kind of more underground MCs like uh, coming up Kanye and, and Mose and Common, like those are the guests that he could book and he probably would have had a harder time, you know, during season one of Chappelle's show booking a Jay-Z or Beyonce, but now he's like, he's a fucking icon, like, he can, 
Like, nigga, you can have Jadakiss come out. You can have Freddie Gibbs come out and be like, all right, Freddie. I'll let you tell a joke. If you give me 16 bars. Can you do that, son? Can you give us just 16 bars? And you go out and then I'll let you do two minutes of jokes and we'll fuck around. You know? <laughs> like, you could get... I'm sure Dave could fucking get Pusha T to pull up. You know? <laughs> like, it's... But instead, he chooses like, because Dave has like the taste of a uh, of like white dude that started listening to rap music in like eleventh grade to college. Like that's the type of shit he like. It's shit that black people don't listen to. But yeah, what was I saying? Um, you could tell that white dude that was music. It's it's funny. My homeboy uh, Hunter, shout out Hunter. I was in Oakland, right? And we had this bar, <laughs> and, uh, this like tiki bar, and it's this dude there, this black dude, and Hunter's a great dude, he supports the arts, and he's like, oh man, you work here? And Hunter's like, yo man, he's like, he, he, he's a like, he's a dope rapper, man, you gotta check his stuff out. And I'm looking at the dude, and I'm like, I'm not gonna like your fucking music. I can, I can, I can fucking tell, like, he's got an afro, a nose ring, glasses, I'm like... I just know that this isn't going to be for me. I'm sure you're very talented, but I know this isn't going to be for me. Of course, I'm not saying it. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. And then Hunter tells me, he's like, yeah, shit is a lot like MF Doom. I'm like, nope, nope, niggas don't listen to MF Doom. That is not that is not African-American listening rap. But I, like, like my thing about where you could tell where guys that based on, on their rap music is it's like dudes that I know, they're like really into like Gucci Mane and... And just and Kevin Gates and just like real like trap and it's monotonous and repetitive. <clears throat> you kind of know what those niggas are about. You know, guys that uh, are in like the, the white libertarian, like the fucking like Dave Chappelle taste, like they, they're going to be interesting guys, but they or they can be interesting guys. But it's also it's like they're like gonna not necessarily have their pulse on what is going on with uh certain things in the culture right because that type of music is like it's not necessarily in the like it floats around it's like the fucking um it's like a moon or the rings around Saturn or 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 uh or Mars or whatever like it's on the outskirts but it's not it's not in the atmosphere. It's not a part of the world, if that makes sense. I, I kind of flubbed a science analogy right there, probably. <laughs> I'm going to listen to this back and be like, niggas, stay away from the science, brothers. Stay, you, was not, you was not Neil deGrasse Tyson, okay? You need, you need to leave that alone. Anyways, um... But yeah, that, yeah, that's my theory. And then like guys like me, it's like you know, it's it's Nip Hustle, it's Pusha T, it's Drake, it's Gibbs, it's Nas, it's Jay Z. It's just like it's it's like good music, but it's also some of these same things that resonate. It's like when dudes would be like, like oh man, like niggas that come around like just with they fucking J Electronica and they MF Doom and all they fucking African rap. <laughs> like, this is real hip-hop. Drake is a fake gangster. Well, first off, Drake is not a fake gangster. Like, if Drake just says, like, 
he could like pay somebody to kill you. It's like, well, he's probably can. And it's not far fetched that maybe he's had somebody roughed up, but that's besides the point. But it's like, bro, Drake talk about bitches and going out. This is Drake is fucking hip hop. Drake is talking about like shit niggas relate to. Like you over here, like yeah, but fuck all that lyrical miracle shit. But anyways, back to my point. Like you can tell where a guy is at with their rap music. And Dave is like, Dave is like a white man with his fucking rap music. And I mean, it's, you know, it, and it's not to say that Dave is a white man. And I don't think Dave is necessarily a house nigga for bringing out Elon Musk. But I think, I think, I think Dave would just like, you know, it'd be really cool. Just bring out the richest guy. You just look at a rich guy. Like, I, I don't know what the fuck could happen. I felt there's a possibility they could boo him, but I wasn't sure. But at the very least, this is going to be entertaining. And probably also the fact that he was doing it in San Francisco, a place where, you know, it's like annoyingly, like the Bay Area is just like annoyingly overly liberal. And again, like Chappelle knows that and Chappelle's going to fucking have fun with that. And I think... I don't know, man. I, I don't think it was that big of a deal. I mean, I do think it's maybe not, you could argue if it's in the best taste, but it's also it's like, dude, these motherfuckers, like the nosebleed seats <coughs> for their tour was like in like the in like the 240s for like high up nosebleed seats. <coughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's like you're like walking into something right here. And I and like look, they'd be like, oh well they're assholes for charging that much. And it's like, hey, look, man, niggas have seen like how it could all be taken away. Like we've seen what happened to Cosby. We've seen Russell Simmons like leave the fucking country. We've seen people get canceled because like they said the wrong thing. So it's like, shit, get it while the getting's good. Like, you know, I got I got no problem with that. Um because fuck, if I could do it, I would like I like certain shows like New Year's Eve, like anytime I can raise the cover for my own shows, I'm gonna fucking do it. So I'm not gonna, I can't fault them for doing that. But I mean, the fact it's inflation and, and uh, times are just hard right now. And you bring up a guy that like fired a bunch of people. It's also like he fired a bunch of people where it's like, well, they're also responsible for gentrification. <laughs> so it's like, you're not gonna get too much sympathy from me out of that. But I mean, you know, like I get it. Um, look, it's fucking entertainment. Deion Sanders left his head coaching position at the historically black college, Jackson State University, to become coach for the University of Colorado, Boulder, Colorado football team. I'm not a football guy. So, again, this is not going to be X's and O's. This is not going to be stuff within football. This is about the people, and this is about culture right here. So, he left. And I actually saw a 60 Minutes piece on uh, Deion Sanders uh, becoming coach of uh, of uh, Jackson State. And he also had to get a – due to uh, football injuries, and he, he had, like, blood clots and had to get – uh, parts of his leg amputated, not fully amputated, but they had to like skin some stuff off. So he was going through some shit while he was coaching out there. And they talked about how like it's high schools with better facilities in Jackson state and how, um, 
he helped build the program up and he's bringing like awareness to HBCU <coughs> athletics. <coughs> well, that said, he left and plenty of people, uh, you know, Bomani Jones definitely uh, had uh, some criticism for like, you know, leaving and the way he left. Uh, but there are plenty of people that basically called him a Sambo for leaving. And on the 60 Minutes piece, Dion said, yes, I may leave here. If a better opportunity comes up, I will leave. You know, but it was important for me that I, you know, I help out and I come to this institution. And, you know, that, that was that was like the gist of it. You know, log on to Paramount Plus if you want to or, or go on YouTube if you want to see the rest of the piece. But the point being is he said, like, hey, I may leave and is uh, black folk calling him a sambo and all that. What I want to speak to is this concept that black people are responsible for getting us to the next level in every facet and that we cannot diversify. And by the way, for the record, his former players said that they were happy for him and they were fine with him leaving for that opportunity. So like, let's not, you know, it's like, so if the people that was with him is cool with it, the people he coaches with it, what the fuck are we really talking about? But again, it's the internet and everybody has an opinion, but this is something I want to speak to. So, I don't like this concept that if we have it, all the responsibility is on us. I know a lot of brothers that live in L.A., that have family in the Midwest, on the East Coast, in the South, that fucking ask them for money. Because the assumption is, well, you're out in L.A., so you must be doing well. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like, I'm doing enough to survive, but, nigga, I ain't doing that good. And I was like, man, niggas really hitting them up for money? And now I'm like, oh, shit, I got niggas hitting me up for money, too. Because probably the assumption is that I'm fucking killing it financially, and I'm doing fucking great. And we're not going to talk about if I am or I'm not. <laughs> we're just going to talk about the assumption. So I had some niggas in the Bay Area. And by the way, it's like, it's so hard for me not to have a bitter taste about Oakland in the Bay because some of the, like the most wackest motherfuckers I've ever known I've met in the fucking Bay Area. Just like, just like, whack, not even whack on a comedian level or whack on a industry level, but just whack on a human level. So it's this nigga. I shouldn't say his name, but it's Ezra Mandoff. Fuck that buck, bitch ass nigga. I couldn't. I was good, like punk ass nigga, bitch ass nigga. That's how much I'm like fuck this nigga Ezra. But so Ezra, <laughs> so Ezra hits me up one time, and, and and to give you an insight of Ezra, Ezra was this nigga. He really wanted to do stand up like really bad. He he wasn't funny at all. He just he talked like a lot of shit, but he, nigga wasn't funny. He actually like made beats and was like he made like he made like you know backpacker rap and it was like it's kind of funny that he made backpacker rap because he, he like wasn't that smart and like all the smart niggas make African rap <laughs> and like backpack and like dirty underground rap and like the nigga was like but he was like one of those niggas that like thinks he's smarter than he is but so anyways but but he was he was talented at that. But he, he he was like he would try to crack jokes or run jokes by me. I'm just like you're not funny. 
Like you just like because he's got the cadence of somebody that's gonna say some funny shit, but then the joke just never comes. But so anyway, so Ezra. When I'm like making my bones in San Francisco, he wants to like come along. And there was a period for like two months where he'd be like, what you get into tonight? I'm like, nigga, I'm at the same spot every night running my show. And I'm like 21 years old. And he's like 27, 28 years old. So this looks extra bad. Like, I mean, see, this is the thing. Like I didn't have, I did not have enough big homies around. Like all the older niggas I knew was super fucking lame in Oakland. But so this nigga would hit me up, what's popping? And I'll be like, yeah, I'm doing this show. I'm like, you can roll with me on BART. We going to San Francisco. And he would roll with me on BART. And then he would, every time he would get in an argument with his bitch. And then he would be like, I got to get, and he would get off at Powell Street BART every fucking time. And it's like, and he would just, he wasn't going to perform it. He was just going to roll with the show and just see what I do. I'm like, yeah, nigga, you, you can fucking roll. And he would get off the fucking train every time. Like, what happened to your balls, Ezra? What happened to your motherfucking balls, my nigga? <coughs> Shameful shit. <coughs> so that shit would happen. And then eventually he wound up uh, being on a bringer show uh, for the homie Stroymoid. And I'm sure that nigga brought nobody because he doesn't seem like the type of nigga that has friends. And then that was like the, the one time I was like, oh, this is gonna try doing stand-up for the first time and getting some people out and then i'm sure like that shit and then he like he said like i hate shit about stroy so i'm like yeah stroy probably didn't fuck with your shit you probably bombed probably nobody came out and that's like your little for, for that was like your little endeavor in the stand-up then one time this nigga hits me out the blue asking me to share gofundme because he's sleeping in the car and his he hooked up with some girl, and I, I don't know if he had kids with her. I know, like, he's got stepkids. And basically, he's sleeping in the car with a, with a bitch and some kids, and he wants me to share the GoFundMe for it. And I'm like, look, here's my thing about GoFundMes, right? <coughs> I only contribute towards GoFundMes <coughs> in death and accident. Oh, shit, you got cancer? Yeah, you can't prepare for that. Oh shit, you was in a car crash and what and you wasn't drunk, you wasn't the driver. Boom, here goes something. I'm not gonna f because you wouldn't wear a condom and ended up having fucking two kids. That's not my responsibility, nigga. What the fuck? Cause look, I ain't gonna lie, like since I've been single, I have had quite a bit of unprotected sex. I'm not gonna lie, but I've been having unprotected sex. With, like, college-educated women that, like, got their own fucking place. Like, I ain't, like, going raw like no fucking hood rats. I ain't fucking, like, raw-dogging no chicks that's, like, looking to come up and pop a kid or two so they can fucking get a check. I'm not from, like, me and the government. You out your fucking monkey-ass mind, nigga, if you think I'm a fucking <laughs> donate because... You... Because you a dumb nigga. <laughs> did some dumb nigga shit. I'm not fucking doing that. So anyway, so here you are fucking sleeping in the car with a bitch and some kids. And you're like, well, I also need my car to Uber. The point being, this nigga kept pressing me about sharing the GoFundMe link. And I'm like, nah, I'm good. And he's like, come on, bro. And it was, it was like, 
They was like, come on, bro. Because that's that's my problem with Bay niggas. Bay niggas don't know how to humble themselves when they want some shit. They're just like, hey, bro, I, 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 I do this for me, you know? And it's like, nigga, no, you've never come to a show. You've never bought a ticket to a show. And I had another nigga. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna load on him. But all I'm gonna say is it's this other nigga, Oakland. He fucking unfriended me on Facebook. And then because a mutual friend of ours was like, and I introduced the two of them. A mutual friend of ours was like, Yeah, he said he's gonna friend me. He's talking crazy about fake friends and stuff. But he he going on live, and it's like, who the fuck still goes on Facebook Live? That's that's like old nigga technology shit. And he's like, he's talking about fake friends. I'm like, yeah, that nigga unfriended me. But I'm like, nigga, I don't care. Like, I don't talk to you anyways. It's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> it's like, it's com- it's like colleagues that unfriend me. And I'm like, all right, well, I probably said something they didn't like. Oh, shit, she unfollowed me on t- Twitter? Yeah, like, I do be talking about the bitches. But so is this other nigga. I ain't gonna say his name, because it's like, yeah, that nigga's a little crazy. He may come after me. <laughs> so, uh, but so, <laughs> What's funny is I'm not lying, but so this nigga right, and he's he's come to shows, but he never fucking bought a ticket. He would only show up to the free shows, and there was one time where this nigga he just kind of pulled up on me as me the homie, and this other dude that I don't like no no, but I know I know him through a work colleague like a bartender at one of my venues, and he was dating her. And I'm like, yeah, we grabbing some drinks, man. You want to roll? He's a black dude. And he's like, yeah, sure. He's out with us. And, you know, he's getting around. And he's just, like, enjoying, like, the energy of being around. He's, like, kind of, like, was more like a square black dude. And he was, like, you know, dating, like, you know, a chubby white girl. And I think he wanted to show to me that, like, I'm still a nigga. Like, I, that's kind of what I think the subtext was, like, low-key. <clears throat> I could be wrong. Maybe he just thought I was funny and fun. But I kind of felt felt like he kind of wanted to, like, you know, prove that he was a nigga, too. But anyway, so we hanging out. And you know he's an older dude. Long story short, another nigga that fucking gonna cash out request me out the blue. He tried to fucking steal this nigga's credit card. And then we called him like, bro, like niggas ain't gonna snitch or press charges. But you gotta come back. And and you gotta handle this. Like you gotta bring that nigga's card back. And then he just hung up and I didn't hear from him for like year, for like probably like a year and a half. Cause he know he, and he did that at a place where I went to show at. So this nigga's all types of sloppy. And this nigga's like probably like, you know, four five years older than me. So it's like, bro, you can't be acting like that, you know? Because I already know not to act like that. But so that happened, and I'm like, all right, I ain't going to bring it up. You ain't going to bring it up. Fuck it. But you pull some shit like that around me, don't ever ask me for shit. You try to steal. And then, and I don't even think he knew whose credit card he was trying to steal from the bar. You know, he just was like trying to, he was just trying to come up. Or maybe he did know. But the point is, this nigga hits me up, requests me $7. I don't recognize the name. I fucking decline it. Then I got another request for fucking $25 that says, hey, we got history. Don't deny me. No, please. No, hey, what's up? How you doing? No humbling like, hey, hey, big dog. I know I see you doing big things. Just, hey, nigga need money. What's up? I don't play that fucking shit, nigga. I don't, and my thing is with these niggas, what, we have history, what do you think, okay, because we, we tried being rappers and making some music, 
like way back in the day. Okay, because we sold we sold a little dope together. Okay, because like we smoked some weed and we and I went to your house and we, we had some drinks, smoked some weed, and vibed out and just talked about music and some bullshit for a few hours. And that happened like maybe a few times. Like, what do you think that that is worth to where you can speak to me like that and ask something of that and not inquire about how I'm doing and what's going on? You just like ask for the shit. Like, what do you think that that is worth? Because my thing is, right, I'm not about overestimating my relationships with somebody. Because for me, like, it's a lot of people I'm cool with. Like, now that I'm older, I don't like just be going to people's houses all willy-nilly. But when I was younger... I've been in so many people's houses. I drank with so many people. I made out with so many girls. I shared blunts with so many different types of people. I've like had, you know, two hour, hour long conversations with all types of people that I can't even like remember them. They may remember me. I don't fuck remember them. Like that doesn't really mean anything to me, especially like when you just like out in the back, when you outside, I was really outside. So it's like, that doesn't, that don't really mean nothing to me. And I mean, so there's this comic that blew up. Brian Simpson. Brian Simpson. He's killing it. And Brian Simpson is my nigga, right? Ex-girlfriend, she'd be like, hey, hey, how, how come you don't ask Brian Simpson? Ask Brian Simpson if it let you open. Ask Brian Simpson. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to do that. And then she'd she be like, well, wh- why not? He's he, he's your friend. And maybe for cultural reasons, she kind of thought like, oh, 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 just ask Brian. Just ask, ask Brian Simpson. I'm sure he'll do that for you. But I'm like... The thing, and I'm just taking, I'm talking like in my world professionally within within stand up, right? <coughs> Brian and, and Brian Simpson is somebody like I've known for some. I knew him back when he lived in San Diego, and he definitely he was the one that told me to start a podcast. And he's he's always been very supportive. And back when he had the time, he's like, bro, I'll even fucking make your podcast cover art, man. But you need to be doing a fucking pod. And so shout out, so salute to Brian Simpson for that and, and everything he's done since. But the assumption, and I've had him come up to the Bay Area. I hooked him up with a place to stay, put a little bit of money in his pocket, hooked him up with some other shows. And now he's got a Netflix special, killing it. But I'm not going to ask that nigga for shit of like, I like the most I'll be was like, hey, can you do my podcast? Or like, hey, I'm going to be in your city. What's good? But I'm not going to ask that man for nothing of like... This substan- and the reason for that is, it's like, well, one, he's got other people that he's got to take care of. He's got other comics that he fucking started with that he knows, you know, 10, 20 times better than me. He's got other people that have done way more shit. Like, I just like, was just like, you just want to come to the Bay, and he did. But I'm, you know, that only means so much. You know what I'm saying? And I would not want to impinge on our friendship to where... I would ask him such a fucking heavy favor. It's other people. Sammy Obeyed, what's good? Trenton Davis, what's up? It's other people where they got it, you know, and I, you know, because I got a relationship with them. And they would probably come out to me before I even, like, you know, I even would find out next. They would probably come to me first anyways. 
But that's my thing with <coughs> with relationships. It's like you don't know <coughs> who I gotta look after. You don't know. I can have niggas in jail. I'm putting money on their books. I can have a homie over here that's looked out for many years and he got kids and he, you know, he just needs $40 for some copay shit. You don't know what the fuck I got going on. And you just assume that because we had a few moments many moons ago, did that translates into you can just ask me for money. And I say all that to say, cause there's this thing in, in black community, Latino community where it's expected of younger people to kick up younger people to contribute to something constantly. And I don't like this thing that we can't grow in this responsibility that we have. So whether it's niggas randomly cash app and requesting me and not knowing my bills and not even get doing like the fucking decency to be like, what's up, man? How you feeling? But from that to this expectation that Deion Sanders needs to fucking be the savior of HBCU football or of HBCU uh, athletics. I don't like that we cannot. Because, look, there is something to be said for how many times we flip the black doll in the community and all that shit. But I don't like that we can't just be fucking people. I don't like that. I don't like that there's always this constant burden of like, we need this, we need this, and not think about like, okay, but what's this nigga really got on a plate? And also, what is my relationship with them? What is their relationship with this? That's why I'm like, so even within myself, because there's people that I know could do things for me, and they haven't. There's, there's, <coughs> there's one comic, right? <coughs> and I'm not going to say his name. But you know he, he, he's doing he's doing like r- real cool things. It was this show. It's this club, uh, New York Comedy Club, right? When I when I was living out there, and uh, one of the managers told me, so in order to get in, you need you need like two vouchers. The fucking comedy sells like three vouchers, and I and I'm like shit because I I want to get up on there like uh, weekend book showcases. So I talked to the homie um, who I know like works there a lot. I'm like. I text him and I'm like, what's up? Can I get a cosign? And he goes to me. And that's a, I, obviously my feelings was hurt. Obviously I didn't like it. But then I, once I worked through the hurt feelings, once I worked through the my fucking ego, I had to go, maybe he doesn't think you all that. Maybe he doesn't think you the nigga. Maybe he wants to see you get it on your own without him. Maybe he's like, well, shit, young nigga. <laughs> I almost did his voice. Maybe he's like, shit, young nigga. Like, I had to get out the mud. Now you do. Like, I ain't had no vouchers to get up in here. So, nigga, you figure it out. But maybe he just don't want to say that. For whatever reason, he didn't want to vouch for me. And it's not one of those he's super busy, like, when I text, he answers. When he texts, I answer. We have that sort of relationship. And he's somebody like, he don't change his phone number. He's been having the same phone number for over 10 years. But for whatever reason, he didn't want to vouch for me. And as much, and like, look, when I was like young and stupid, like 24, I would have took that to heart. 
I've been like, what's up, nigga? Hey, right, look, man, if you don't want to do it, man, real nigga shit, like, let me know. You know, like, young Lyle would do that, but older Lyle is diplomatic and more of a businessman. <coughs> the 31-year-old Lyle Barron said he doesn't want to do this, and it could be for a multitude of reasons. And so while our relationship will not be what it was, because, like, if you don't think enough of me to do that, you know, her relationship ain't going to be the same, but I'm not going to have any malice towards you, but I'm going to know that like, okay, I, <clears throat> that's the last time <clears throat> I would say I overestimated a relationship. And I was like, oh, I thought you really looked at me like the way these other niggas look at me, but I guess you don't. So you know what? I shouldn't ask you for shit. So that's my whole thing is it's like, and, and for me, I probably, cause I looked up to this dude. I thought the times that we did shows together, we drank, you know, we kicked it, you know, the conversations we had in, in, in cars, in comedy clubs, in bars, it meant more to me than it meant to you, obviously, because you're the big homie. But at the same time, even within that, for you, it's just like another day. And like for me, it's like the same thing. It's like, OK, yeah, we drank and smoked or, or whatever and listened to some music together. But you ain't really like my nigga enough to be asking like that for money. And my thing is, in the overall spectrum of things, we cannot be overestimating what we mean to people. Because that's how you end up out here fucked up and calling them motherfucking Sambos. And it's like, look, Dion did a good thing. Hopefully, more people of a significant stature follow suit and go to HBCU programs and basketball, football, and even baseball and other. There's got to be like an HBCU hockey team somewhere. Shit, I'm going to have to Google that. But yeah. But man, you can't put all that weight on on on, uh, on one person. You can't overestimate what things mean to people. Because if you do that, then somebody's going to really have to tell you some truth and you're going to have to get your fucking feelings hurt. So let's talk Van Jones. It's it's a few people that really just make me cringe. There's people that like I fake hate, and there's people that just really make me. They bring out that like little inner that that Bay Area thing in me that it's uh, or I don't know if it's a Bay Area thing in me, but it's a thing from being in the Bay Area probably more so, where you just go, ugh, nigga, you are weak. You are just such a weak-ass nigga, especially for the others, not just white folk, the others. If you don't recall, uh, Van Jones had a relationship with the Trumps, and Van Jones was also, also had his own program on CNN, and when fucking uh, Joe Biden won, defeating Donald Trump, Van Jones is up there crying. <laughs> this ain't Obama, nigga. Like, what the fuck is you doing crying over Joe Biden? And look, I say this is somebody that reluctantly voted for Joe Biden. And I, I'm in California, so obviously, like, he was going to win the state either way. It was more so as a vote of, like, fuck you, motherfucker. You fumbled a fucking pandemic. You fucking, I, there's not enough 
stimulus checks or good enough economy for you to call me a nigga. Fuck you, motherfucker. That's what that's what me voting voting for Biden was. It wasn't a fucking you know. I, it was the same as voting for Hillary. It's like I didn't enjoy it, but I did it. Um, so Van Jones, <coughs> worst kind of liberal. Or I don't. I, yeah. It's, yeah, well, at least worst kind of black liberal. Because um, the worst kind of liberal is a white liberal. Uh, <coughs> Van Jones was keynoting uh, a Wall Street dinner uh, for the, what is it? The, um, uh, a, a Jewish group in New York. What is it? The UGA. Federation of New York uh, nonprofit organization. Don't know what the UGA stands for, but it's, uh, whatever. I'm not a journalist. Um, he's doing a keynote speech at the dinner. And Van Jones apologized to the Jewish community for the silence of my community and allowing an African American icon praising Hitler and Nazis. And we act like we don't know where that hatred came from. And he said, the silence is over. Then he went on to say, the reason this country's democracy at all is because black and Jewish people have loved each other and helped each other and supported each other and stood up for each other. Nigga, you. And look, and I say this as somebody uh, did is, I mean, I haven't been fucking with Kanye for quite some time. And this shit that he's been saying, but he obviously doesn't fuck with the shit Kanye saying. Uh, Kyrie Irving sharing the fucking documentary that we're pretty sure he didn't even watch. There's that. Uh, I, I wasn't with that. And, he, and and the fact that Kyrie didn't like clarify anything and just like, I just shared a link. What's the big deal? But then he's also going to be like, oh, well, I'm the voice for the voiceless. And it's like, well, like, well what's one? Okay, then you got to fucking explain yourself. You can't be like, well, you can just look it up yourself. But then you're gonna be a voice for the voiceless. Like you gotta, you gotta fucking pick. You can't have it both ways, my nigga. Like I, I don't, I don't fuck with that. Uh, I don't, I don't fuck uh, with the. Uh, I just don't fuck with anti-Semitism. Period. Now I am not against some Jewish jokes at all. And the Jewish jokes, I like. I don't even like like oh Jews are cheap jokes because that's like hack. Like like I wouldn't even say like the Jews I know are any cheaper than like the black people, other people I know. If anything, it's just like you know Jews got a lot of opinions about things. Like it's like that's I'd like the joke about that. Or, you know, like the whining. <laughs> that's something that blacks and Jews have in common. We really like complaining. <laughs> So anyways, as I pour some of this North Italian red blend and talk about Van Jones doing the bad kind of cooning. Look, man, first off, let me acknowledge the, the other side, the devil's advocate in, um, in support of what Van Jones is saying. It's a lot of fucking ignorant shit going around. It's a lot. It's even like niggas trying to be like, well, Hitler didn't really have an opinion about us. 
Yes, he did, you dumbass nigga. Well, Hitler actually shook Jesse Owens' hands, like, you know, at, at the Olympics. Hitler was, the president didn't even call Jesse Owens, but Adolf Hitler, he shook Jesse Owens' hand. That has been debunked so many fucking times. Like, just the amount, like, well, Hitler... Are you really trying to justify, like, it's fucking neo-Nazi, the kid, do you know what they, do you know what they're about, nigga, like, do you, I mean, at this point, like, how much history are we going to rewrite, and, like, I hate to say it, Kanye has been the catalyst for this fucking ignorance, and in fact, you actually do have these crazy niggas that kind of think Malcolm X, Louis Farrakhan, Adolf Hitler all kind of had the same goal, but then they don't like Martin Luther King. Like, the same types of niggas will be like, you know, well, see, Martin was more passive. I'm more Malcolm X. And it's to the point, like, it's a certain group, and it's a certain group of lost niggas that have been radicalized by YouTube. And it's very difficult to see that stuff on your timeline. It's very difficult to see that stuff written in comments. And it's even difficult when you hear that type of shit in the barbershop. Or you hear, or you see somebody just like a, a, a post and go, oh, I know how that person thinks. I get it. And look, I'm going to say I'm around those niggas more than, than fucking Van Joneses. Okay? I almost said Van Lathan. I'm around those niggas more than Van Joneses. So, <clears throat> I know that for a fact. So, it's like, yeah, you fucking hate to see it. With that said, there have been, first, if we're just going to talk public figures, like LeBron spoke out and said something. Shaquille O'Neal spoke out, said something. Pusha T, who was, he was even rocking with Kanye when Kanye had on the red hat. Kanye produced uh, the, the fucking classic uh, Daytona, the one Kanye produced front to back. And he was fucking wearing the red hat. Kanye even rapped it. Excuse me, Kanye even rapped about wearing the red hat on Daytona, and Pusha was still standing next to him. And Pusha T finally says, yeah, I haven't really been feeling a lot of uh, what Kanye has been doing and saying. And look, you can be like, yeah, because he knows with Jews, it's going to fuck up his money. But when it's us, it's this. It's like, look, we know there's a difference in what... Okay, and even to that point, right... Yeah, there's certain shit we can say to each other that we can that we don't want other people saying. It's certain shit like I don't like when election time rolls around and I see all this like I hate when black people do the fucking um yeah, like we didn't fucking get sick by dogs and go through all this shit uh in order for you to not vote. Like no, that our ancestors didn't fucking go through that shit. So I could vote the way you wanted me to vote. It wasn't about that. And if you and if and fuck all that, you were trying to use historical historical trauma into guilt tripping me into doing something that you think is important. And I do think voting is important, but I'm not with using that to try to get a nigga to do that. And second of all. You got to be careful when you tell black people, make sure you vote. Because, like, this is the way white people can do it. That is just fucking condescending. Like, make sure you vote. You got to vote. 
like, first off, just the assumption that that isn't important to me. And then second of all, black man get killed by police. Okay, yeah, but so who are you voting for? Yes, so that's why you got to make sure to vote. No! No, that's not how that works. That is not how that works. And don't ever speak to me like that fucking again. Apologies if I went off on a little bit of a tangent. But people had... Van Jones is just, it's just such a fucking clout-chasing, weak-ass nigga. And look, he's... And look, I don't like this thing. Uh, again, it's like, I, I'm really not was... Because look, there was like 90s hotep shit was like fun because there was jokes and it was shit like, you see you see the boat on uh, the Snapple bottle? That boat is a slave ship and that's how they got all their fruit and they transported slaves and then they started making juice, my brother. Like 90s hotepism was fun. This, like, this, t the roaring 20s... The 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 dub twenties, hotepism, it, this shit kind is just dangerous and ignorant, and I just don't like the way it's going. And these are the types of niggas that end up having kids very young, and the kids like I I do not like this shit. I don't like this shit, but to to say that the black community has been silent on Kanye, what like black people ain't fucking with Kanye, Kanye. Kanye cannot do black media now. Kanye is hanging out with paparazzi and right-wing motherfuckers and motherfuckers is banned from YouTube. That's who he is hanging out with. That Drink Champs interview where he said this shit with George Floyd and the fentanyl, and then <clears throat> it was over after that. And then Kanye went on uh, the shop. And I'm not going to lie. I actually do agree with Kanye on this. When Kanye said, you know, it kind of feels like, you know, that people use me just to get points. I go in the shop and then they don't air it because they're like, oh, yeah, we're on their side. And I'm not going to lie. I think there's a strong possibility. Mav Carter. But at the same time, it's like, are we really going to waste all this? Are we going to waste young Jeezy's time to say that, you know, we're on the right side of history? Maybe. <laughs> I know Jeezy was like, I really want to see the footage of that episode. I really just want to see. Jeezy just be like, I ain't putting on for this shit, niggas. <laughs> Anyways, man, this whole thing of black and look, let's all let's also talk about the black silence with anti-Semitism because look, you do have people, and when I say people. You do have black people that don't agree with everything that's being said. But on one hand, they also do believe, yeah, but the original Jews were black. Like, they believe that, but they may not agree with anti-Semitism, but they may not speak out against it. And I understand people being like, hey, when people were saying things against us and it was George Floyd, we really took to the streets. Why are black people not doing the same thing? It's fucking nuanced. On one hand, it's... Yeah, you don't... It's nuanced like this, right? So... You white, and you move to 
Brooklyn, you move to Oakland, you move to Los Angeles, you move to Portland, you move to Austin, you move to, um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another, I, I don't know, I guess that's it, but, but you move to a place like that from the Midwest, from the Deep South, and, you know, like, you never really thought like the people in your town, but you got your college education and maybe you've lived in a few major cities and and you're white or you're white passing and you have people in your family that uh, vote red and unapologetically and they think some fucked up things and you disown them. Right. And you disown them. Not just because you don't agree with what they say. That's not why you disown them. You disown them because you don't agree with what they say and you found your own community. So you found your queer, kink, uh, liberal, libertarian, whatever. Like you found your community as a white gentrifier, as a white hipster, as a as a white techie, right? So you can say, Yo, you think this way? Fuck you. You are out of my life. This is how you feel about vaccines. This is how you feel about uh, uh, women's right uh, to to choose if they going to have a baby or not. Uh, this is how you feel about what? I, f- I fucked it up. It's, um, you, you know what I'm saying? The fucking uh, pro-choice. Like, th- like, oh, so you pro-life? Oh, so you fuck you feel this way? This is how you feel about Black Lives Matter. This this is how you feel. Fuck you. You're out of my life, right? Because you have these other people that look like you and think like you, and you have community. Black people don't really work like that. First off, it ain't that many black people in America to begin with. So we can't just, like, say, so our fuck yous are not necessary like maybe with a celebrity but even then it's just like okay but how many Kanye's are we gonna get I don't know well you know you gotta remember he did basically kill his mama yeah yeah, yeah. this shit happened you gotta say he went through a lot well I just I feel bad for him because he lost his mama so you do have a lot of empathy because black people black people we are empathetic all over the place we are very like if you are if you are not black think about how many times you probably said something fucked up to a black friend or a black person, and think about how many times you got a pass. Think about how many times they forgave you. If you're not black, and you've ever said nigga in front of a black person, they probably were not cool with it, but they probably also don't want to have to deal with the bullshit of whatever would come with that. Think about just how many things, how many passes you fucking got. Okay? Black people, we, we do get out a lot of passes. Like, we'll talk some shit, but at the end of the day, We are, um, we're quite understanding. We don't believe in cancel culture the same way. Because we have a different relationship with America than white people, and especially these new white white people do. So that's why you'll have that. And it's like cutting out, because there are people within our community that are good people that think some really fucking ignorant things. It's good people in our community that have some. And look, I haven't been boosted. I've been vaccinated, you know. And I don't. And I don't think that whether you're a good person or not, 
relies on if you've been vaccinated or not. But I do think if you was like a fucking anti-masker out here and you was like, well, fuck, the old people had their time. I got to live. I don't even think COVID's that serious. You have people that just kind of think within their world. And for them, like, I mean, it's probably not even that bad. Man, they just doing that for population control. You have people that don't think about motherfuckers in the ICU. They don't know any doctors. So don't have any doctors tell them, like, no, this is fucked up. Mask up. Stay home. Like, they was going to their fucking underground parties. And while I could think that they're pieces of shit for that, I also know that they are not 100% fully bad human beings. And I can't write them off because... And this is not me trying to make a case for anti-Semitism. This is me explaining why black people... Why we all have somebody in our life that is very problematic, but we don't necessarily kick them out of our life just due to being problematic in the way that white people and maybe others do, but definitely, especially white people. <coughs> we don't do that because one, it's not as many of us. And two, <coughs> excuse me, we, um, we are more about some of these characters. So that's why, to to answer that, like, why don't you have more black people speaking up when somebody says something like that? That is the why. It may not be a pretty why, but it is the why. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I've been your host, Lyle Barons. Thank you very much for tuning in. Subscribe and vibe. Share the episode if you enjoyed it. Share it with a friend. Tag me. All that good stuff. Let's build this shit up, nigga. Stop asking me, oh, how come you don't have a TV show? Nigga, how can you only share my shit? That's the better fucking question. It's like, it's, it's like the fucking, um, don't tell me about what they say about me behind my back. Tell me why they tell you. Uh, I'm grumpy. I gotta go back to the Bay Area for Christmas. I'm so fucking grumpy. I gotta do that shit. Damn it. Fucking stand these people.